0: Welcome to the Review Name Podcast. I am, as always, Jordan. With me this week, we have Alex. Hello. Sam. It is I. And Chris. Hey. We're going to be doing a little bit of uh, flying by the seat of our pants this week. We're going to do the news roundup, as always, uh, leading up to our announcement of the Rachel Tardiff Memorial Award for Best Performance in the Week. We're going to talk about some TV that's been going on, talking about Breaking Bad and Louie. We're going to play more of the Leonard Maltin movie game. We're going to talk about the 50th anniversary of Spider-Man, and we're going to talk about a little bit of video games. So a little bit of everything this week on the show. Uh, why don't we start off by talking about the big news in pop culture this week. Uh, so with the release of Expendables 2, we have already news about cast rumors for Expendables 3. We have rumors that Nicolas Cage might be cast, Clint Eastwood might be cast, Harrison Ford might be cast. Pretty much anyone who has ever been in an action movie at all might be in the next movie. What do you guys think about that?
1: keep it going i love it i will wait to watch it on netflix instant but i will love it all the same
0: Uh, all right fair enough i i have to be honest with you i haven't seen any of them yet but i hear it's something i might should check out
2: yeah i haven't seen any of them either i think i think if nick cage does it i might be tempted to go see it just for like the crazy badness of it but uh if it's like, you know, if they get Harrison Ford or something that'll just kind of make me like a little sad about where their career is, I think I might pass.
3: Yeah, yeah. I I kind of like the current um, idea of just throwing it out as a net, seeing how many action stars you can pull in. I, as long as they keep training it like very tongue-in-cheek, let's overload as many action stars as we possibly can to the franchise. I say keep them coming.
0: I'm always willing to watch Nicolas Cage do anything um, because he, I actually think he's a fairly good actor when he wants to be, and when he doesn't, he's ridiculous and insane and hysterical. Uh, so I'm down for that. I think Clint Eastwood and Harrison Ford would be. I think that's a stretch. I think that's just the producer saying, I hope we can get these guys if we just say we got them or we're trying to get them. Um, I think that would be a stretch because I would hope that both of them have more dignity than this movie seems to imply. But I don't know. <laughs>
1: Clint Eastwood doesn't seem like he's in the space to go acting in a dumb action movie, considering that his next role that he's acting in is about uh, a baseball, baseball spotter. He's a scout. A, yeah. Scout. Yeah, a scout. That's the word. <laughs> he's a baseball I, I, watcher. Yeah, he's I don't a, follow the He's a the fan sport. of baseball.
0: Who he sports? just watches baseball it for, for like 45 minutes, and then the movie ends. It's not going to be very good.
2: I'm going to see it because it has baseball and Amy Adams.
0: I'm Damn, that's probably not going to see it because there's a Dr. Phil joke in the trailer and that makes me feel like it should have come out eight years ago.
2: Again, Amy Adams, Jordan.
0: All right. I'm probably really going to see it. Oprah says Dr. Phil is still just, relevant. Every, every time I see that trailer, I'm like, really? They they thought it was a good idea to throw a Dr. Phil joke in this movie? Because no one's ever done that before. Oprah told me still gonna be relevant. It's probably going to be,
2: like, terrible.
0: I I, I, it, I don't have high hopes for that movie. Yeah. Um, but also I have Clint Eastwood problems, which are well documented for anyone who reads the site or talks to me on a regular basis.
2: Yeah, well, it has baseball and 80 Adams, and that is literally enough for me. <laughs>
0: um, if I wasn't going to be, you know, a-, a far distance from a good movie theater for the next three or four months, I would probably see it, but considering I will have to get someone to drive me to a theater while I'm back in Michigan, I don't know if I'm going to be taking the truck out for uh, Trouble with the Curve.
2: Amy Adams can hit the curve, I think.
0: I bet she could. It's like, I think she could break it's like the curve.
2: She, she. So basically, the movie is going to be like Clint Eastwood is really like cold and distant, and then at the end of the movie, he's like a good dad, or like he's trying to be a good dad. It's so, Gran yeah, Torino he, with baseball like, instead of a car. <laughs> it's not like uh, this movie is going to, you know, do anything particularly interesting. But again, Amy Adams. I do like Buffy her. the Vampire Slayer is Amy Adams.
0: <laughs> Amy Adams of Buffy the Vampire Slayer fame will be in this movie. Um, right, well, that was sort of related to Expendables 3, but I think we can comfortably move on and talk about something else that happened this <laughs> get Amy
3: Adams in Expendables 3?
0: Uh, friend of the show, listener to the podcast, Amy Adams, uh, may or may not be in Expendables 3, you heard it here first
1: exclusive let's
2: just keep starting rumors yeah
0: let's just if we just keep saying every week we should pick an actor or actress who we think should be in expendables 3 uh and just claim that they're going to be in it
3: start a running cast list until it tops like 20 people 20 25 stars and then we just yeah. make that movie That's also, uh, works, they're right? also working on apparently a all females version of the expendables not probably not actually called the expendables but the same idea well, who's going to be? Are we still talking like, about who's...
1: are we still making up rumors here?
3: <laughs> no, no one's This one's actually... <laughs> actually this one is <laughs> actually happening.
2: Well, who who would be in it? Who's like the great female action
3: star? Do you get Lucy no, Gina Carano?
1: Sigourney Weaver? Oh yeah, that.
3: Probably. Maybe.
1: That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um
1: it would just be those two.
3: <laughs> yeah, you got, you got two
1: so far. <laughs>
0: They sit down, they have tea, and then they fight each other. I'm still My money's on Gina. It. I don't know. Sigourney Weaver cannot be beat.
1: Well, if she has a forklift, then maybe.
0: So I think we're going to move on now and talk about other news, <laughs> because I have nothing to say in response to that. Um, Another big thing this week is that the rights to Daredevil are going to revert to Marvel. So no more do all of you Daredevil fans have to worry about another non-Marvel-related Daredevil movie starring Ben Affleck. Not that Ben Affleck (laughs) Affleck is ever ever going to be in the new Daredevil movie. Is anyone ever disappointed
1: that uh, Joe Carnahan's version isn't going to be released? Did anyone watch his uh, sizzle reel? I did. What would you think?
3: Uh, Not what I was expecting. Yeah, it was I was ex- the, uh, yeah,
1: I was expecting the, uh, something more uh, concrete and not just like, this is the feel that I want the movie to have. See, look at look the at 70s. Look at the 70s.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Like the 70s funk track in the back like wasn't very... Is, uh, like, is
1: that how far. a movie gets made? I can make those.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'd
0: like to walk into a movie studio and say, look at the 70s. And they go, make this movie for us. Because everyone likes the 70s. Yeah. And 70s Daredevil was good. Uh, I mean, end of the 70s Daredevil.
1: I thought yeah. that the gray was good, but I mean, and I would have been interested to see what Joe Carnahan would do with Daredevil, but I, I don't see what the big deal is about his sizzle reels. Like, I seem, it feels like everyone's making a big deal out of these things.
3: Um, yeah, I mean, there was nothing there. It was just, it, for anyone who didn't see it, it was just a lot of reused footage from the first Daredevil movie, spliced him with shots from other movies that were very, very rude in the 70s. Like Alex said, it was, this is the 70s. If I, in the 70s. If I were to make
0: a Daredevil sizzle reel, as it were, I would not use any footage from the
3: actual Daredevil movie because it was so bad. There were comic panels, panels in to think it about too, it so don't all. worry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, there wasn't a lot there for the sizzle. I don't, I don't even know why they bothered posting it because it didn't really inform us of a whole lot of anything.
0: Well, I think Carnahan himself thought that we would all get sad if he posted it and then we realized we weren't going to get to see that movie. Um, I didn't even have enough interest in Joe Carnahan's Daredevil to watch the sizzle reel. Uh, I actually uh, was convinced by you, Chris, that I should check out The Grey, watch it, and thought it was way better than I expected it to be, but that didn't change my mind and make me go, I cannot wait for a Joe <laughs> Carnahan Daredevil movie.
1: <laughs> you think he would have gotten Liam Neeson to be a Daredevil?
0: No, but I would watch that movie.
1: <laughs> I think he could have. I think he could have talked him into it.
0: I would watch that movie. Um, I don't think he'd be my my first pick for Matt Murdoch, but I would watch that movie. I would
3: Absolutely. only be okay with that if they cast the uh, kingpin to be the wolves from the pack, the pack of wolves from the Gray, just in a coat. All of <laughs> them, yeah, in it's a like pack. <laughs> all yeah. the all wolves in like a coat. giant coat buttoned up. <laughs> um. Well, I. For me, the good news for this is I've always been a proponent that Daredevil, they shouldn't be pushing another Daredevil movie. That's a character that Marvel could very, very would be very well suited for television, and especially as we were talking a few weeks back where they're trying to develop a television series set in the Marvel Universe. Now that they have the rights back to Daredevil, that's a great character to build a television show around because it's one half legal procedural, one half superhero show. So now that Marvel has the option back and there isn't this deadline to make another daredevil movie or fox will lose the rights i kind of hope marvel sits on it for a while and realizes the potential goldmine they have for like an actual daredevil televised drama yeah
0: i feel like chris you and i have talked about this a million times but if you're gonna make a tv show starring a superhero that's from you know an established superhero i think daredevil is probably your best pick a like you said it's half legal procedural so you already have a built-in tv style hook Also, Daredevil's a really, like, ground-level superhero. So, I mean, mostly he fights gangsters, you know? He doesn't really fight superheroes or supervillains all that often. He has the kingpin, but he's just a really big gangster. So, it wouldn't be that hard to do a Daredevil show on a limited budget. And you've got the the legal procedural thing to carry you in in off weeks. You've got a fairly decent uh, rogues gallery that would not cost any money to produce on TV. I think he would be a great television show, absolutely.
1: Definitely sounds like the way to go with it. I think it would be super awkward if they tried to shove him into the bright color Marvel or anim- er, Marvel movie universe that they've established now. He's his world is too dark for him to really gel with all those characters. <laughs> He's
2: blind after all. <laughs> uh, they should start. do. They should do. They should do a Daredevil show that's a uh, point of view, and it's just like a radio play. <laughs>
1: He is it should sense. be a show, be but it wouldn't be a stuff. radio play.
2: Well, you know, we could see the radar stuff. It could just be like squiggly lines.
0: I I, I would watch an episode of a show that, that was from Daredevil's point of view. I would not watch an entire television series in radar.
1: Did they get Electro back with this?
0: I assume. I mean, I, it wasn't officially stated that they got Electro back, but I assume they got Electro back.
2: How did Elektra get her own movie after the Daredevil movie was such a flop? I there think, was, I, was I, I, I think there was a
1: yeah. I think there was this moment there where everyone was like Jennifer Garner is going to be the next big thing, and then there was a man with tattoos that came to life.
0: I didn't see Elektra, but I'm glad to know you did, Alex. I, <laughs> did, I forgot I did, about uh, Electra.
1: I absolutely saw that movie.
0: I figured. See, I wasn't into comics all those years ago and i saw daredevil and it was so bad that i was like i don't i don't want to see anything that has to do with this ever again
1: (laughs) see that's the reason i went and saw it because i was like oh daredevil's so bad i wonder how bad electra is was it it worse really bad it It was the
3: expectations it
1: it, it was very successful at being a bad movie
0: was it worse than daredevil
1: it was more fun than daredevil 'Cause it was just more ridiculous. Okay. They kind of embraced the ridiculousness of it rather than trying to make it seem <clears throat> real-ish.
3: Were there more that. were there more fights on playgrounds?
1: I don't remember. There was a lot of fighting no. at like a home overlooking a coast that looked like Tony Stark's home.
3: That's kind of
0: cool.
1: It wasn't Tony Stark's house. They were just there as like witness <laughs> protection or something. I don't know. <laughs>
0: I'm glad you clarified because I was worried that it was Tony Stark's house three no, years before no, they no. made Iron Man.
1: That would have been much much cooler. I should have just left the left that and let you <laughs> imagine it.
0: <laughs> uh, Did anyone
1: hear about the uh, how the Ninja Turtles are part of the Daredevil universe? Anyone hear about ugh. this? No. The that cr- the, the creator of the comics of the Ninja Turtles uh, really like Daredevil, so they just put it in. It's very it's very unofficial, but they put it in that uh, the truck that swerves uh, was swerving away from a turtle, and the same stuff that gave Daredevil his blindness and powers mutated the turtles.
0: That's some really versatile radioactive material.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, like,
2: if it gets in your eyes, it just makes you blind and have radar vision, but if it just like touches your skin, it it turns you into a. To a were they teenagers who turned into teenage teenagers? No, turtles, they, were they, t- turtles. Turtles. they were turtles yeah, they w- who got like human they're, power, right? Yeah, and strangely enough, who turned, turned into, into teenagers.
3: Like they never addressed the part; <laughs> that they just spontaneously turned into t- teenagers. I think teenager, yeah, teenager, was the, the least, least
0: important part of that title.
3: <laughs> Why were they teenagers?
2: Were they like teenage turtles already?
1: <laughs> they were adolescent were turtles. Were... <laughs> we're rolling. Also, also,
2: was anyone like they now have the power of four year eighteen-year-olds? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Honestly, I never watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was never uh, a thing of mine. Out. But I love that show.
3: anyone ever like want to see the time. Ninja Turtles movie, which is like they're all like they're they're all senior turtles now, like they're all really past their prime. And <laughs> yeah, like, I was gonna say retirement.
0: I wanted to do a, I wanted to do an internet meme called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles of a certain age that was men of a certain age scenes with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> spliced in. I thought that would be an excellent internet meme, but I have no idea how computers work, so I just thought about it and laughed and moved on with my life.
3: Well, now one of our many viewers will steal it from you. So yeah,
0: one of our one of our literally dozens of viewers. You guys, if any of you out there listen to this, and
2: uh, and we know we know they're not viewers.
0: Yeah, they are. They are listeners. We don't think you're looking at us right now.
1: We hope well, not. most
0: most of us don't. Um, but if any of you out there can make mutant ninja turtles of a certain age into a thing and send it to us at, on Twitter at Review To Be Named or rudbenamed at gmail.com. I will be so happy. You have no idea. You'll make my life complete. So get on that, internet. All right, are we ready to move on? Yeah, I think I think we've... Please. Now that we've talked about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for a while, <laughs> we can talk about something else that happened this week, which is going to be probably big for any community fans out there. Project Hawthorne, the, uh, the effort to make the video game from Digital Estate Planning, the community episode where they were in a video game, into an actual video game, is out now, um, and is downloadable on the internet. I have not done so yet, but I'll probably check it out at some point, because that sounds cool. What about you guys?
3: I haven't haven't downloaded it it yet. Yeah. It looks cool. Um,
2: Yeah, I mean, as soon as that episode, you know, was made, the first thing that I thought about, and probably everybody else who saw that episode thought about was... When are the fans like gonna make this game? Because it it was like I mean it seemed like a bit complicated for a video game, obviously, but it it definitely se- it seemed, you know, plausible.
0: Yeah, it was it was two bit, it was, you know, I mean for all the endless variations that the episode purported, it could probably be made fairly straightforwardly, I would say. Though again, I know nothing about technology, so who knows.
2: So yeah, I am in favor of this and I might check it out, I might not.
0: Yeah, not. that's how I feel about it. Anyone feel any differently, or are we done here?
1: I'm very ambivalent about it. I'm not going to touch it. I just don't have any interest in it.
3: Yeah, I, I'm a huge community neat. fan.
1: Sorry. I said it's neat.
3: <laughs> it is. It is neat. I'm a, I'm a huge community fan, not a huge gamer. Good on them for making it. I might play it if I'm super bored, but that's not am not against the game. Yeah, I
0: don't think I'm going to have time in the next multiple months of my life to actually sit down and play the game. Uh but if I did, I still might not, but I might. So, a ringing endorsement from be named. <laughs> um let's move on. Let's talk about Michael J. Fox is starring in a new sitcom that is supposedly going to be about his life. Uh from Chris, you said we have a pretty stellar setup of uh who's going to be
3: involved, right? Uh yes. Actually, it is um this is news that came out a few days ago. Um, and it looks like, hang on, let me call it back up so I don't get able well, to Well, I, I,
0: I took some notes here. You said Will Gluck, the director of ECA, is going to be directing it? Yeah, yep. And writers from Arrested Development and Cougartown are going to be involved?
3: Uh, one writer in particular. It oh, is... who did both
0: Arrested Development and Cougartown?
3: Yeah. Um, as soon as I find their name, I will... Let's see here. It is... Uh, will Gluck... Sam Laybourne. Sam Laybourne oh, from Cougar okay. Town and the rest of development fame will be uh, writing it. It'll be a single camera show, and um, no other word than that other than it's going to be starring Michael J. Fox. So,
0: And it's about his life, right? Yes.
3: Yes. It's, it, it, unclear whether he's going to play himself or just someone very similar to himself. But yeah, it will be like based on his life.
0: Well, I mean... The involved, like, everyone involved in that, I love Michael J. Fox, um, he's been killing it on The Good Wife for several years now, he was good in Curb when he guest-starred last year, uh, I've always been a fan of his, and I continue to be so, I like EZA a lot, so I'm excited for Will Gluck to be involved, and obviously I'm a big Arrested Development fan, and I am a big Cooper Town fan as well, so I will watch this show, what about the rest of you guys?
2: I will at least check it out for the first uh, two weeks, depending on how good or bad the pilot is.
1: I'm interested I'm... to hear all of your opinions about it,
0: <laughs> which is Alex's very polite way of saying he will not watch the show.
1: Pretty much.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'll I mean, it, it
2: sounds like it has it has good talent around it. Um, I think it would be it'll be interesting to see what Michael J. Fox does. I think we're kind of like we're living in an era where, you know, actors like Michael J. Fox or someone like Louis C.K. They can like make you know, projects that are, like, very personal and something that you might not have seen on television, you know, 10 years ago. And it sounds like he's surrounding himself with, like, a group of talented people who could make something really interesting happen. So it could be something really great, or it could just be mad and not worth watching.
0: But Yeah, and the only way we will find out is by watching it. So yeah. I'm going to go ahead and, and put it out there that if the show is worth talking about, we will talk about it again in the podcast once it is actually a thing. Um, yeah. And if not, then you will never hear about it on the show again right uh, so let's sort of wrap up the news from this week. Mike Scher, creator of Parks and Rec, is shopping a cop show around. I don't know much of the details on this except that so sam you you knew something about this
2: um, I think that's that's all that is really known right now. It's gonna be produced by uh, i think n b c Universal, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily gonna be an n b c show right um yeah, and basically from what I've heard, it it doesn't really mean anything in regards to the end of Parks and Rec. You know, he's going to be with the show until that ends, and, you know, I don't think it means that the show is necessarily going to end sooner or later. I just think it's, you know...
0: He can work on multiple shows at once. Yes,
2: exactly. He could do more than thing at a time, more than one thing at a time. Um, And I think this is great, because he was an awesome, or he is an awesome showrunner for Parks and Recreation. Um, And I like the idea of a comedy cop show because off the top of my head, the comedy cop shows there. Was, I think like Dennis Leary had one. Reno
3: nine one one. But you don't really.
2: Well, yeah, Reno nine one one. That's the big one. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, this is obviously this is going to be scripted television. As Reno nine one one is practically all improvised. Right. So it's going to be it's going to be very different. And it, he brings a, certainly a different sensibility than the guys. Yeah. You know, like the state people that did uh, Reno. Absolutely. um it might it might be a little bit more of a traditional sitcom, but I also like his style. He's he, you know, he blends you know the laughs with the heart, just the right amount that I like. And he's you know he's very intelligent. I think Parks and Rec is one of the best shows on television right now. Um, so yeah, I have all the faith in the world as much as any other showrunner starting a new show. I have in Mike Sure. So I will I will definitely stick with that show if and when it does get picked up and goes into production, I will watch at least the whole first season of that show. Probably the first two, considering how Parks and Rec started out.
0: Uh, Alex, what do you think?
1: Yes. <laughs> Sorry, what are we What, what are we talking about?
0: <laughs> Alex is, as always, just drunk out of his mind right now. <laughs> uh, we're talking about the new Mike Schur Cop Show that is being shopped around. Mike Schur, creator of Parks and Rec, ringing any bells?
1: I know about Parks and Rec.
0: All right, we're going to just go ahead and let you stay over there in your corner for the moment. Chris, what do you think about this? Uh,
3: I think Sam said best. I think it's exciting news. I'll definitely be down for the first two seasons or so, and um, uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing more details about what network it's going to be on and who might be cast on it.
0: Yeah, um, I I have to agree. I will be watching the show. Um, I don't know if I would do a two-season commitment before I've seen a pilot, but... Mike sure gotten a lot of... If it's, I mean, if he does a six-episode first season like Parks and Rec did, then I would watch two seasons, sure. But Mike Schur is, is running one of my favorite shows on TV right now, one of the best comedies on TV right now. And so he's definitely gotten enough loyalty out of me for me to be watching his show for a while, unless it is so horrendous that I can't watch it, which I can't imagine will be the case. So, yeah, I think we'll be watching that and probably, once again, talking about it once there's more to talk about. Uh, that- I
1: can't wait. <laughs>
0: That pretty much wraps up our uh, news roundup, and we will be announcing the uh, winner of the Rachel Tardif Memorial Award for Best Performance in the Week later in the show. For now, uh, we're going to turn things over to Sam, and we're going to do a little bit of a TV roundup. Sam?
2: Right, so the two biggest summer shows, for me anyway, have been Breaking Bad, which is always excellent, and Louie, which is also always excellent. Um, both shows have just passed their halfway point for the season, uh, this year's Breaking Bad, as we all probably know, is being broken up into two parts. Uh, the first half of this last season of the show is, you know, I think it's just like eight or so episodes. Eight, and then the, right. the, the it's And then the uh, back eight are going to be shown uh, next year. Um, so now I think we have, I think, three more episodes this season. Correct. Um, and with Louie, I think we have like four or five more episodes. So both are a little bit past their halfway points. So I figured, let's start with Breaking Bad. Um, very different shows, both good in their own special way. Breaking Bad, I want to know what you guys think so far. Walter White is going off the deep end, or is off the deep end already. Um, do you think the show is handling this well? Jordan, start it off.
0: I do think the show is handling this well. I think it's it's a, a rougher transition than the show's ever had to do before, because at this point, it's very clear that we're dealing with Heisenberg more than Walter White, you know, he's... On the spectrum from Mr. Chips to Scarface, the, the Vince Gilligan pitch for the show, we're definitely in Scarface territory now, and I think that was, the show wanted to go into season five with us knowing, that's why they did the cold open at the beginning of the season, with Walter White getting a big ass gun. We know and we're no has longer- And he hair. <laughs> and he had hair, and that happens in a year, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we know we're no longer in the territory of the Miles Maynard chemistry teacher, not that we ever thought we were still there, but- we know we're dealing with Walter White, supervillain as much as we're ever going to at this point. And I think the show's taken advantage of that in ways that would have surprised me if you pitched it to me, but I think it has been working well. The, I mean, the idea of Walt cooking out of the, uh, the tented up houses that are getting, exter- you know, the exterminator houses... The idea of them pulling off a train robbery, like they did last week, all of this is stuff That's that so if you if you told me they were gonna use a giant magnet to destroy evidence or uh, <laughs> that was
2: that was a little over the top or I rob
0: thought. a train <laughs> um, two months ago before the show started. If I heard Walter White was gonna be doing a great train robbery episode, um, <laughs> I would not have been excited. Probably, I would have thought I would have been worried, even though I have a lot of faith in Vince Gilligan. But um, with episodes like fifty-one, the one from two weeks ago, that was just phenomenal. And I thought they pulled off a train robbery very well. I, I think we're shifting into Walter White supervillain territory very well. Uh, what about you guys? The rest of you?
1: Alex? I, Breaking Bad is no question my favorite show on TV ever. So I'm kind of biased about all this, but I think it's fantastic. I, I never know at the start of an episode where it's going to take me, and I always enjoy getting there. Uh, in this last episode... This is Breaking Bad's the only show on TV that could take like the triumph in like joy you feel of them pulling off this train robbery and turn it on a dime into tragedy as the new kid just shoots that kid in the head. Huh. Landry, amazing <laughs> I, it, for
2: uh, for Friday Night Lights fans. That's uh, Jesse Plemons who played Landry
3: on Friday Night Lights.
0: And for Breaking Bad fans, it's that. that guy who put, put a tent around the house and said he was totally in on doing that stuff.
3: And for all two of you that watched that one show with uh, Amanda Pete and I forget who else, about the contractor, it was that guy who was with part of the contractor crew. That was the to biggest me.
0: description of a television <laughs> program I have ever
3: heard. I watched a lot of the NBC summer burn-offs. It was one of them. I just remember him standing I heard.
2: I heard it was actually okay. It was like, uh, what was it called? Shit.
0: I didn't even know Amanda yeah, Peet would... had a Bent? show.
3: Was it Bent?
2: No. Yeah, I think that's bent. what it was. Okay. It was yeah. It was yeah. like a comedy. And apparently Jeffrey, it was okay. Um,
3: Jeffrey Tambor was in it. Jeffrey Tambor uh How can was... how can Amanda Pete have a show when she's contractually
0: obligated to be naked in everything she does?
2: I think that only applies to movies.
0: Oh, uh, okay. There's a the loophole.
2: Yeah. Cause she wasn't naked, I remember, in uh Studio Sixty.
0: She wasn't naked in Studio Sixty, though if they'd, you know had a little bit more time, maybe she would have gotten there.
2: All right, Chris.
3: Uh, well, I think most everybody else has been kind of watching breaking bad for a longer period of time. I only started watching this past, uh, summer. I watched everything on Netflix. I got caught up right before, uh, season five starts. Um, and I, I almost wish I'd had more time to just take each episode a little bit and on its own in stride, but it's, Again, I, it's incredible. It is an amazing, amazing show. I regret not catching up sooner. Um, I think this season has been incredible just from the start. Um, one of the things I really liked, and maybe I'm noticing this just a little bit because of just how intensely like I've just had Walter White in my life, I think, I think they've definitely scaled back just how much of the focus is on him in these episodes, so I, I find him to be a lot more unpredictable in season five than he uh-huh. was in season three or season four. I find when he's on screen, I know a little bit less about what he's going to do, where he's coming from, what's going through his head than I maybe did in season two or season three or the first half of season four. And I, I think that's makes him a scarier villain than anything he's even actually done. Is this just this idea of he's retreating more into that Heisenberg persona and there's just more of a little bit of an air of mystery of what's going on and what he's thinking. And I think one of the uh best moments for me was an episode two ago. Is that it was that great scene where they're they're dividing up the money on the table. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. With the, the big stack like of money. It. Yeah. Um and they're they're putting it into the bags. Everyone's taking their own bag and at the end, um Walt references um, when Gus killed one of his lieutenants right in front of them, and he's he's it, it it in the episode it it comes off as kind of a threat towards Mike or just like getting Jesse in the mind so that maybe like Mike is not in line. But even from that, like the more I thought about, it, like I I even saw that being almost directed at Jesse himself, just like that idea of like Jesse stepped in to offer his money to take care of the problem they were facing there and then walt had to put his money in and so i almost saw that as being directed as much towards jesse as uh mike which i think is really interesting in the sense of that like you had this father-son dynamic forming around jesse and walter for the first few seasons and now i think even that like has shifted to something very very different
1: as soon as Jesse Some... shot the other chemist, that's where his character kind of took a turn into just bottling up and not really, like he still doesn't really want anything to do with it, but he doesn't really have much else going on, so he's just like, eh, he kind of just goes with it.
0: Well,
2: something that uh, Chris brought up that I thought was is really interesting and I was going to talk about, how Walter is now, instead of everything just being his point of view, I think this season we're starting to get It's more about how the people around him are trying to deal with this new Walter White, who's like this evil mastermind who is like kind of unpredictable and is also you know always scheming and like a real danger. And with that, I mean, I think we're having like real breakout seasons for uh, Jonathan Banks and and Anna Gunn because their their characters are the ones pushing against uh, Walter the most, less so than Jesse because Jesse still is kind of on Walt's side. But those two actors are having, like, really breakout seasons. Or I mean, they've, they've both been great the whole series they've been on. But uh, this season, you know, I think they're real standouts, and they're kind of, like, taking up the mantle that Giancarlo Esposito had uh, in the previous uh, seasons where he was kind of, like, on the, so- on the sidelines, you know, kind of stealing the show. So I think Jonathan Banks and Gunn, it's early MVP seen... candidates for this season.
0: Yeah, I think this is their, their Emmy season for both of them um if there ever was was going to be one they've been phenomenal all the way through
1: it's definitely getting to the point where it feels a bit more like the mike show which is completely fine with me <laughs> mike's a great character fantastic and
0: jonathan banks just plays the hell out of him whatever they ask him to do you know if he has to be funny he's hysterical when he has to give one of the classic breaking bad monologues he just delivers it perfectly he really has just i mean since he's been on the show he's played the hell out of the character But he's really stepped up when they've needed him to this year.
1: He plays it so dry. That's what I love about it.
0: Absolutely. Um, I think the big thing with Walter, and this has been uh, sort of where Jesse is so far, I think we've seen Walter White master manipulator more this season than, I mean, he's always been manipulative. But I think this season we've seen him, his arrogance has stepped up a notch. I think we've seen him in a position where he thinks he can manipulate anyone to do anything he wants. And he actually kind of has been fairly successful so far. He's gotten Jesse to, you know, be tied closer and closer to him and to feel more guilt for having almost killed him. Uh, you know, he, he really played that up to, you almost killed me, I've forgiven you, we are now tied closer together than ever before. He's got his wife, who for some reason is under the impression that she can't possibly leave him, um, and that, you know, she has to do whatever he wants and can only maybe get her children out. He's really gotten people into the place he wants them for the most part, even though, you know, he wants his kids back in the house. I think that's only a matter of time. So we're, we're seeing Walter White as a very successful criminal at the moment. Um, and I think that's probably, you know, episodes from crashing down all around him. But it's an interesting dynamic for the moment.
2: All right. So we all still love Breaking Bad. We can all agree
1: on that. I will say uh, one, one moving, more thing I yeah, want to bring go up. Go <clears throat> I forget, I think it was two episodes ago, the very beginning, Walt buys a car and buys his son a car. And then they have this dubstep montage, which will forever be the thing I hate the most in the entire series. And it will date the show so painfully in another decade when you try to watch it. I thought that
2: was fun. It it was a Ryan uh, Johnson uh, episode, and he's... He, you know, I think that's why the, I was so uh, shocked
1: that that was in there is because it was his episode and I expected a bit more from him.
0: The show, I mean, the show's done fine. legendary montages before. Like, I think one of the things it does best is a great montage. And I wouldn't put that It's among not the, the fact montages. that it's a
1: montage or anything. It's the use of dubstep.
0: <laughs> well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it up there among the great montage the show ever did, but it didn't bother me. It, I, honestly, I would have forgotten that there was a dubstep number in, in a few episodes ago entirely if you hadn't mentioned it right now.
1: Well, I'm gonna make sure you remember. Okay. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. It's up the time.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I think that is t- very telling of the show. Where that's one of the biggest flaws we can find with it. Yeah, very
2: true. <laughs> that's the worst thing we could find. Yeah. All right. So uh, moving on, we have another great show, completely different. Uh, FX's Louie, which is wrapping up its, I think it's its third or fourth it's season its third now. Third season. Third season. Um, so I'm not sure.
1: Has everybody been watching this show? Yes. I just started, like a couple I weeks ago. So I'm just starting have watching season maybe one,
3: two episodes. To be with okay, I, so this yeah. is going
2: to be this is going to be mostly uh, me and Jordan. I think who are up to date, but feel free to chime in about your thoughts on the show in general. Well, I think Jordan, Chris has interesting inco- things to
0: say because Chris, you're not a big fan of the show, right?
3: I, I'm coming around actually. This. Uh, oh yeah. It, I, I want to go back and watch from the beginning, but I definitely am looking at it a lot more positively now than I was originally.
2: Okay, that's fine. We can talk about that too. Uh, Jordan, since you're up to date, let's start with you. What have you thought so far of this season?
0: I think the thing with Louis is it is consistent only in how excellent it is. <laughs> like, everything about the, uh, the show can change entirely from week to week. The only thing that stays the same is it's almost always phenomenal um and even at its worst it is incredibly watchable te- television i think season three has kept that trend going Um uh, we've seen louis continue to do very interesting things uh that i i i've been really enjoying it i guess this is what i would basically say i think i i love the parker posey two-parter uh the more maria bamford we get on the show the happier i will be um i think he's continued to do what he did so well in season one and even better in season two uh, and I think season three is uh, on track to be another great, great season of television. What about you?
2: Yeah. Well, what's amazing about the show is, like, it's this small-budget show, and that's kind of what the, you know, it's kind of become known for, the fact that it has a small budget, but FX is giving him the option to do whatever he wants. And even though he has this small budget, he gets huge stars. I mean, Parker Posey, even though she's not a big star, he got uh, Melissa Leo this season. He had Robin Williams on this season. He gets, you know, he gets all these great, you know, stand up comics, yeah, all the comics. <laughs> so, I mean, the quality is there so much so that like people who normally wouldn't do like a tiny FX show are going are flocking to do this thing because it's just like so widely loved. Um, and specifically this season, um, I think the highlight has been Parker Posey's two parter. Um, she she was just excellent. And she's, you know, in line to certainly get nominated for an Emmy for guest spot. She probably won't win because it's Louis, and it just—it's—it's it's a show that's too good to win.
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's,
2: you're it's not, not wrong. A, um, and kind of we were talking about Breaking Bad. If we can compare one thing that Breaking Bad has going for it to Louis, as much of a stretch as it is, I don't know what I'm gonna get from week to week with Louis. Like you know, Breaking Bad in its you know environment, it's it's unpredictable show. At the same time, Louis is.
1: Almost equally as unpredictable.
0: I would say Louis even more unpredictable because Breaking Bad, you know, the type of show it's going to be
1: every week. It's still serialized. Yeah, I mean, you're it's, still it's coming serialized... from last week into the next episode. Right. It's a serialized exactly.
0: show, but there's also there's a tone <laughs> yeah. to Breaking Bad that is Cluck. fairly exactly. consistent. I
1: bet you yeah, on exactly, Sunday you know. on Breaking Bad, they're going to talk about how that guy shot the kid in the head. I bet you. Yeah, <laughs> that'll probably come up some point.
2: Louis, you know, Louis might have you know a niece staying with him one week and then the next week it's like she never existed and...
0: Well, but beyond continuity, you know, sometimes Louis is a well, dark drama about, like, the search for God uh and what God means. And sometimes it is a comedy about Louis getting his ass kicked or how getting in a motorcycle accident.
2: Right. So, I mean, I just, I love its unpredictability and every week, like, kind of why it's such a treat is that he can go back and forth between comedy and drama so well and you don't know what you're going to get each week. And he gets, like, great performances out of, you know... The few, like, this, he has, like, a very small, like, stable of actors he goes back to. Mostly they're comics who aren't necessarily, you know, great actors. Um, like, Doug Stanhope uh, last season had, like, one of the best performances on that series ever. And he is certainly no actor. And Louis was able to get that out of him.
0: I mean, was, so, that was one of the best episodes of television last year. Uh, it was Eddie. Um, it was phenomenal. And it was, yeah, he's not an actor. But Louis just got that performance out of him.
2: So I'm I'm excited to see uh, where the show goes the rest of the season. Um, I have cheated a little bit and looked on IMDb. Uh, the next there is going to be a three-parter, which is new ground for the show. They've done a couple of two-parters, um, so I'm looking to see where that goes.
0: Do you know what the premise and, of the three-parter is?
2: Uh, no, all I know is the title. Um, it's called like uh, late night, so right, that in. could that, that could literally mean anything. <laughs> whatever, I think we're gonna watch. Whatever the show
0: does, it will be good. I I mean, at this point, I I have such faith in it that I think whatever Louis wants to do is gonna be awesome, and I'm in.
2: It's called Late Show, so it's either about David Letterman or him doing the Late Show,
0: or both. It's a three part. Or both. Who knows? Maybe he will do a Late Show and then go on the Late Show. Or maybe Louie will have to hide a body.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, looking for Liz slash Lily changes next week, and then the three parter, and then the uh, season finale. And good news is is that FX has picked it up for another season, so we'll have more greatness because he's on a fantastic run with this show. And it just, what's great about this show is that, you know, hopefully it'll show uh, networks that if you give, you know really good creative people, you know, you don't need to give them a ton of money, but if you let them do what they want to do, they'll give you great returns. And I mean, part of why FX can do this is FX doesn't need, it's not Fox. Like it doesn't need to have huge ratings for it to be, you know, a viable show. Um, Louie does well enough for FX and I, I hope, you know, FX has been at the forefront of this really, you know, they have a ton of great programming over there. Um, So I am now a fan of FX for not only, you know, Louie and It's Always Sunny, but they're doing lots of other cool stuff.
0: I think, I think FX is the channel to watch and be watching now in a way that AMC was five years ago. I mean, Justified, It's Always Sunny, Louie, you've got Archer. Uh, I hear, I stopped
3: watching Wilfred, but I hear great things about that still. You had uh, Terriers, one of my favorite shows of all time, was on FX. It's,
0: it's a channel that is... More committed to quality, I think, than a lot of the networks are, at least, Um, and has just been doing a great job the last couple years of turning out excellent TV.
2: So, we will be looking for more Louis. Uh, There's still some time left in both Breaking Bad and Louis for some greatness, and I'm sure both will finish strong.
0: And I I have a feeling we'll probably talk about at least Breaking Bad once the season's over, because I'm sure we'll all have things to say about that.
2: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Uh, um,
1: so we're we ready to move to our next
2: segment.
0: Yeah, let's uh, let's turn things over to Alex. We're going to play a little bit of the Leonard Malton movie game.
1: All right. Once again, I just want to remind you. Thanks, Doug Benson. Go listen to Doug Law's movies and don't be too angry at us for using your game.
0: And also, thank you for listening to our podcast, Doug Benson. Yeah. yeah. Also, thank you to He's...
3: Leonard Malton.
1: <laughs> thank you for existing, Leonard Malton. Let's go ahead and just go with. A little game or a little category called In Theaters Now, which is, as you can guess, about movies in Theaters Now.
3: Huh. Okay. okay. He doesn't
1: <laughs> he doesn't give star ratings to movies. Uh when they just released. I, I don't know why. He just doesn't. Leonard so, Malton
0: has his own system, just go with it.
1: Exactly. So here we go. And I'm reading through the review, and it says it's not a requirement that you like this movie's central characters. Uh, difficult to care about anyone. Quote?
0: This could be like any movie them? out right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like
2: it just sounds like this is a movie I didn't enjoy. <laughs> what guess is the that movie right now. I'm not. I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> Could we pick like a maybe a different category or something?
0: No, we got to go if with it. You have one the, in mind. The yes. game host is chosen. Just guess. Someone whose whose turn is it? Is it my turn? Well, it's no
1: who's one's going turn first. yet. I'm still reading through the review. I will. I'm. Don't worry. I got this under control. <laughs> I will
0: never. I will never understand the rules of this game. So you'll have to every every week. I'll be like I don't know seven, and then we'll see how many points I end up with ten years down the down the road.
1: He got bored halfway through, as the story became more brutal and the acting more broad. He grew actively annoyed.
2: This this is like useless.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I, I never have a said guess these. Now. Are, I, I never said these hints were supposed to help anyone. They're just <laughs> out there for you. Isn't
2: that what a hint is like by definition?
1: <laughs> these these bits from the review are not supposed to help anyone.
0: This game is just supposed to embarrass us on a uh, on live podcast.
1: There are in front eight of names, literally
0: dozens of listeners.
1: Perhaps the story reads better than it plays, or perhaps something was lost in translation. Is the last two lines of the review? There are Ooh. eight names, and because Chris has been the most cooperative, he gets to pick first. <laughs>
3: um, I'll say two names. Jordan. I need
1: one name. Sam.
2: I Jordan just needs one name? Jesus. So I can only pick zero? Or
1: or... tell him to name it. Alright, name it, Jordan. Okay, but I
0: get my one name,
1: right? Yep, your one name is... (laughs) You get your one phone call. Damien Damien Bichir. B-I-C-H-I-R. If you can't even give me the name of the guy... It's in the bag, Jordan i can spell um, it out for you if you want to try and pronounce it
0: so a i don't know like most movies that are out right now which is strange but um it's probably a foreign movie based on the name of the actor and the fact that something was <laughs> lost in translation remember I don't know that any the of the, foreign films that are the out right now i'm in bfe Ill. so i'm just gonna go ahead and guess the born legacy
1: wrong savages what? is the correct answer Ugh. savages I'm is
0: glad Sam I didn't guess that. Invaders? I wouldn't want to give Oliver Stone any more time on our podcast than absolutely necessary. <laughs>
1: that was
2: terrible. That was like, how are we supposed to guess that?
0: <laughs> this is the worst thing that's ever happened to
1: me. I don't, I don't history, know why you're complaining. You have a point from that, so.
3: Sam is viciously turned to the Larry Bolton game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> the best part of this game to me all is right. that I don't understand the scoring system at all, so I'm just, like, playing randomly.
3: This isn't a real game. This is an elaborate joke we're playing on you. <laughs> this
1: is a joke
2: on me.
0: All right, so what is the next round? What's the next category, Alex?
1: The next category is going to be a fun, interesting one. Where, <laughs> trust me, where I'm is going, going movies to
3: read... it interesting?
1: I'm going to read the entire review word for word, but we're going to start the guessing at zero names and go negative.
3: Okay. Wait,
0: how, how many words is this review? I don't have like it's six a, hours. It's and a you paragraph. you read very slowly.
1: I do that for dramatic tension. <laughs> this movie has four stars, and the review is, the review reads as follows. The 1970s answer to Gone With the Wind from Mario Puzo's novel on the violent life and times of the mafia patriarch Don Corleone. <laughs> Pulp Fiction fiction raised to the highest level a film of epic proportions masterfully done and set to Nino Rota's memorable music. Absolutely irresistible Academy Award winner for Best Picture, Actor, and Screenplay. Baby in Baptism scene is actually Coppola's infant daughter, Sophia, who later co-starred in The Godfather Part 3, followed by two sequels. We're starting at zero, and you only go negative. So, Jordan, how many names can you name in the correct order, top to bottom build?
0: Uh, I am going to say
3: negative three. Chris? Uh, so so he would have to name three. The top this, three
1: right? movies in order from top down. Can you name um, four?
3: I will say, well, this is going to fuck up the game. But all right, Jordan, name that movie and those actors.
1: All right, in order Jordan in order. in order from I you can top, name top to bottom. that
3: many actors, but you can't name them
0: in order. Yeah, naming them yeah. in order, I'm going to fuck it up, I'm sure, but What's first, of a, first of off? What's movie, the
1: right? name of Yeah, what's the name of the movie? The movie it's,
0: is The Godfather. Right. And the the names are uh Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, and Robert Duvall.
1: Wrong. Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, and James Caan.
0: Ooh. Fair enough. I should have named James Conn earlier. Wow,
2: Jordan's. Jordan, you suck at this. You don't know what any movies
0: are. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even know what a movie is. I'm going to come out out there and say it. You don't know what any movies okay. are. So I have like negative 860 points or something at this point. I think so,
1: yeah. yeah. That's how the math pulls out, yeah.
0: Um Do I get to redeem myself?
1: We hope so. <laughs> go ahead and do the category dead man walking again this movie got two stars it's a nasty nihilistic nightmare movie and then it goes on from there is someone looking this up on the internet i heard typing no i'm typing about
2: (laughs) james marsters
0: (laughs) Into your James Marsters blog.
2: <laughs> well, on AV Club, they have on AV Club they have a review of the X Files, and the photo they used was of James Marsters looking like Spike. So I was confused. Oh, I saw apparently he was just on an. He was on an episode of the X Files. So go on, please.
1: This movie has rich performances, dazzling production design, and occasional cleverness. But it can't. Occasional make up... cleverness, <laughs> can't my can't. favorite thing in a movie. <laughs> it can't make up for a dark, mean-spirited, and often incoherent screenplay this movie has in it's
0: what year is it did you say
1: it's 92
0: oh god
1: and it has two four six eight ten twelve names sam start with you
2: it has 12 names
1: it has 12 names
2: i have no idea uh zero
1: well, no. Can I go say, with zero? Well, say 12. That's what you want to do if you have no idea. 12. <laughs> okay. 12.
0: I like us all, like, groping in the dark for how this game works. <laughs> That's my favorite part of this segment if every he... time. <laughs> well, if he doesn't know it
1: and someone tells him to name it, he gets every name in the cast, and chances are he could get it from that. Uh, whose turn is that? Chris's. Uh,
0: I'll take 11. Jordan? I'm going to go with seven. Ooh. Sam?
1: Name
2: it, Jordan. All There's right. no way you could name it in
1: order. <laughs> Here we go. Seven names. From bottom up, it's Paul Rubens, Jan Hooks, Vincent Chiavelli, Pat Hingle, Andrew Bernerski, Ber- Christy Conaway. That's, that's how many? Six? And Michael Murphy. Really? really this is a movie
0: that I don't I have absolutely (laughs) no idea I was like Paul Rubens okay I'll be able to get this but no um I have um, a guess I don't even know 1992 I can't even think of a movie from 1992 off the top of my head right now why does this keep happening to me (laughs) movies (laughs) did take
1: a break during 92 only a couple came out um rich performances (laughs) dazzling production design occasional cleverness how about
0: um new jack city no, I'm not even sure if that's the name of a movie.
1: I don't know if that's a movie either.
0: I just looked around that the name three thing. No, it's a movie. I'm just kidding. You want, you want I have no idea right when right it now. came out though, and I haven't seen it.
2: Uh, New Jersey's from 1991. Jordan. Oh, excuse me.
1: Please. The answer is Batman Returns. Batman Wait. Returns. No, what? you did
0: not name seven names and not name Michael Keaton, and it was Batman Returns.
2: The Keaton's the, the number one. the on bottom. It goes from
3: bottom up.
0: Oh, so because I picked seven, I I got the seven bottom names. Exactly. Yeah, yeah See, I have no works. idea how this game works.
1: <laughs> You're, you'll get there.
3: Ten episodes from now, Jordan learns how the <laughs> game works.
2: Yeah, I forgot. I forgot Paul Rubens uh, plays uh, Penguin's dad.
3: Yeah,
0: I remember now that he is a very small part in Batman Returns, and I know that Batman Returns is from 1992, but without Christopher Walken, Michelle Fiverr, Danny DeVito. Michael I said Keaton.
1: I said it was the category was Dead Man Walking, so and
0: that helped me how
1: because it's a movie because, in which Christopher Man oh, walk- dies. I thought
0: it was Dead Man Walking, and I was like, "So the Sean Penn movie? No, Dead Man Walking. Damn Why, it." Jordan,
1: <laughs> I, th- I think we should just move on. I think we. Should...
0: I think we should wrap it up. I think we should just give up on this before I kill myself on the podcast.
1: All right. <laughs> So uh,
0: let's, let's shift over now. We're going to talk to Chris. Chris, you're going to talk to us about Spider-Man.
3: Okay, so this coming... I think it's actually this coming week is the uh, 50th anniversary of the creation and publication of Spider-Man. Spider-Man was introduced in August of 1962 in the pages of Amazing Fantasy number 15. And so it's been 50 years of Spider-Man. Uh, so I thought we should kind of mark the occasion in some way on the Review to Be Named podcast. So I figured let's just keep this short and simple. Um, Why don't we just go around and talk a little bit about like where either we first kind of encountered the character or maybe our most memorable sort of like pop culture encounter with the character of Spider-Man, a character who is uh, endured over 50 years and has a very healthy slate of appearances in various forms of pop culture right now. You have Sony's Amazing Spider-Man reboot. You have um, the... Often uh, mocked on this podcast and this site play, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, on Broadway, somehow, still. Uh, And you have an animated series, Ultimate Spider-Man, running on Disney's XD block, along with multiple iterations Mm -hmm. in comics. So, that being said, uh, let's kick this off a little bit. Uh, Jordan, uh, where did you first or most memorably encounter Spider-Man, and are you still a Spider-Man fan to this day? Before we start, I just have to say, I can't see anything, could someone please turn off the dark?
0: (laughs) Because that's the only way that title makes sense to me, Um, is as a dumb, dumb, dumb way to ask someone to please turn on the lights. But that was not my first uh, interaction with Spider-Man. I mean, I think I've always known that Spider-Man was out there and existed, obviously, but the first time I was ever uh, actively like, oh, that's a character that I'm going to be in contact with was Spider-Man, the Sam Raimi movie from 2002, which I I did not want to see because I didn't care about Spider-Man. And then a couple of my friends had seen it and said it was good, and so I went to see it with them uh, again, and it was good. And I said, okay, that was a good movie. And then I sort of went about my life for the rest of it. Um, I've come into contact with the character a few more times. I'm actually trying to read and catch up on uh, Amazing Spider-Man, the comic book, right now as part of my endless goal uh, to, you know, be up on comics information. So I'm reading Spider-Man right now, um, and I don't have the strongest relationship with the character, I have to say. Uh, I know he's immensely popular, but a lot of my interactions with him, I go, okay, that's fine, and then I move on with my life. Uh, I, I definitely have preferred him when he's been more of a supporting character in Avengers books, where he just quips around and then moves on to my experience so far in reading him as a solo character. And his movie this year, Amazing Spider-Man, was not very good. So I have, I guess, lukewarm feelings toward the character, but I'm fine with him continuing to exist.
3: Jordan will allow it. I will. <laughs> Marvel, Marvel, size, collective sigh of relief at the moment. Uh, okay, um, let's move on to Alex.
1: Uh, pretty much the same. I remember being a kid and occasionally catching episodes of Spider Man on the WB, uh, just in Saturday morning cartoons. So that was probably my first actual experience, like watching Spider Man, and then forgetting about him for a few years until Spider Man, Sam Raimi Spider Man, came out, and I liked it. Uh, I didn't think I, I don't think I was ex- excited about it necessarily but it was a blockbuster popcorn movie so I went and saw it in theaters and enjoyed it. And then the second one came out and I still think that's a fantastic movie to this day, one of the best superhero movies out there in my opinion. And uh I don't I don't mind the new Spider-Man with uh the the Andrew Garfield, but it's basically just the same thing as 2002 Spider-Man except with a little different villain and such. But I mean I've never been that big of a fan, especially in the comics where he's just cracking one-liners all the time. I find that irritating more than anything else. I, I just don't like hearing him talk like that. It's just annoying.
3: <laughs> I am Alex. Hate being made. I watch. mean,
1: I am watching the new uh, Ultimate Unlim- Ultimate Spider-Man. Is that the new one, Chris?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I am watching how, that. How is that? It's okay. I, I think what they're doing with him is interesting in the sense that they're doing family, sty- family guy style cutaways rather than really making him like be an asshole the whole time. But I think it's something that could be served better if it was, you know, say Deadpool doing it rather than Spider-Man. It makes a bit more sense to me, but I'm not working at Marvel. So, you know, maybe what do I know? <laughs>
3: All right.
2: uh, well, I am working at Marvel, so here's what I uh, <laughs> I wish. Um, well, my first Spider-Man uh, was also uh, through like Saturday morning cartoons, so I wasn't, you know, particularly devoted to that. Like I was, you know, the Batman animated series, which is will always be the best animated. Comic book series.
1: Yeah,
0: Batman is where um, like my love affair with Batman started, and I I love Batman to this day. Batman,
1: so, yeah, the animated agree. series holds up. I watched it earlier this year; it still holds up fantastically.
2: It's still great. I have the whole series on. I have the whole series on my bookshelf. Um, but in terms of Spider Man, you know, the first time I saw it was the, the like Saturday morning cartoons. But the only, the first time I actually enjoyed it, like everybody else, was the Sam Raimi uh, movies. Uh, they were really excellent, and I think they they did a lot to like advance you know or you know give give the the general public the idea that superhero movies could actually be like really good you know just movies on their own i think they didn't have to just be stupid action movies they they you know we needed that in like the like the 2000s kind of surge of superhero movies i mean you know i really like the the tim burton batman movies from the early 90s but you know it, it, it had been a while since those movies came out before Sam Raimi came out with these. I think it was the Sam Raimi Spider-Man and uh, Brian Singer's X-Men, which proved really important in terms of rebooting the superhero movie and showing that it could be done really well. Um, so yeah, and I hated Spider-Man 3 and I just didn't like the reboot of Spider-Man. But that's for
0: another
3: day. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough.
0: Chris, there just, hasn't been a whole I, lot of Spider-Man love yet. Do you want to give Spider-Man some love? I have some love. Uh, yeah, sure.
1: <laughs> let me just say For real Spider-Man quick Man that... Spider-Man or just uh, in general? Let me say real quick that I think that actually the first time I ever encountered Spider-Man was the video game Maximum Carnage. Just thinking about that.
0: Oh, nice. So what you're saying is you lied on the podcast a few minutes
1: ago. <laughs> I just stretched the truth. <laughs> All right. Just give us
3: some spidey love um, sure i so i think like most everyone else here uh my first exposure was the uh saturday morning cartoon from the 90s with um and and for me i i think it's one. it was one of those cartoons that made such an impression at times like that became sort of it, it doesn't hold up watching it years later but at the time it became like my definitive hallmark for spider-man so like whenever i would be reading the comics like I would read Spider-Man's dialogue and it would be Greg Brady's voice in my head like going off like reading the lines. Um Greg Brady played Spider-Man the 90s cartoon. It would be better or if you had before
1: or after the Brady Bunch. <laughs> What's that? Was that before or after the Brady Bunch? That was after. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be much better if you heard Greg Brady's voice when you read Spider-Man despite the fact that Greg Brady had nothing to do with Spider-Man.
3: <laughs> You're just taking my word on this at this point that it was Greg Brady. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, uh, that was where, uh, I first discovered the character. Um, been a huge fan of him in the comics, obviously, as the comics editor. Uh, I, I actually am a big fan of Spider-Man. Uh, in recent years, I've been more of a fan of, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, which is the series that, um, writer Brian Michael Bendis wrote for years and years and years. Like, he and Mark Bakley did something like 100 and, I think it was 111 straight issues, same writer, same artist. And they broke every record that had been on the sands for like an artist and a writer doing a un uninterrupted run together on a book. And it's just great stuff. And I would say if anyone out there is really a fan of Spider-Man, like in other media appearances, but the comics have never really done it for you, I would say check out Ultimate Spider-Man because I think it might turn you around. And I think for a lot of people has become the definitive source of Spider-Man.
0: All right. Well, awesome! Happy fiftieth birthday, Spider Man! Um, I will be continuing to read the comics, I'm sure, for at least a little while to catch up. So maybe I'll get turned around on him, and if not, I don't think Marvel needs me buying Spider Man because it's like the most popular character in the world. <laughs> um, so let's turn things over, to Alex, uh, to do a little discussion of video games, quite briefly.
1: Yeah, yeah, um,
2: I'm, I'm running out of time. Actually, I have to, I have to bolt soon.
1: I'm gonna make this quick. Don't worry. Okay. I uh, just wanted to give a very quick shout-out to a game that came out on the PlayStation Network this week called papo EO. I'll premise it by saying that I don't play video games just to play a game. I, the interaction is not the part I want to get out of it. It's the story. I'm interested in seeing how different people tell stories in different ways, and I think video games is a very interesting medium that people are starting to use to really tell interesting stories. And this one... I think, is extremely interesting because it's a much more personal game than many, many video games out there. Maybe the most personal game that's been uh, wide-released on uh, PlayStation or Network, Xbox Live, disc format. And that's because this uh, entire game is based around the creator's experience as a child with an alcoholic-abusive father. So the idea is that he... Uh, he took his childhood and transported the loving and also completely like abusive nature of his father into this character of Monster, where every time Monster eats a frog, he gets completely batshit insane and goes running around literally on fire and will pick you up and throw you across the room. And it's just... Uh, I finished it last night. It's only about three or four hours long. And it's just an extremely, extremely interesting and uh, emotional story that uh, he managed to tell. Even if some of the puzzles and some of the actual gameplay side of it is a bit lacking, I think people should check it out just because we need more games to tell stories like this in this sort of serious context. And if any of you have any questions about it for me, please let me know.
0: All right, well, it's good to hear from the video game side of things. We don't do enough video games that review really be named. So thanks for that, Alex. <clears throat> Anytime. Uh, we're now looking to wrap up the show. We have uh, our review re- re- named in house Oompa Loompas have pushed all of the gerbils necessary into the manatee pit, and we have calculated the winner of the Rachel Tardiff Memorial Award for Best Performance in the Week. Um, so I know you all, you've all been looking for it, forward to this. Uh, let's get a little bit of a drum roll every time i ask us to do that i regret it instantly (laughs) every time you ask i'm I'm so
1: happy you do
0: let's never let's never ask for a drum roll again we're just gonna Uh, start doing it every
3: time you get to this category oh god all right and the winner
0: of the racial tardif memorial award for best performance in the week is michael j fox michael j fox who has his new sitcom coming out He's got great talented people all around him, and I th- we think it's going to be great, and we're looking forward to see what's going to happen. So congratulations, Michael J. Fox. We will send you our cash prize and your trophy over to you as soon as you contact us. Um,
1: so many disrespectful jokes could be had right now.
0: And yet not a single one from the Review Name podcast because we are classy.
1: Good for us. Good job, everybody.
0: So with that, we're going to wrap up the show. I want to remind everybody to check out the website at reviewname.com if you haven't yet. Uh, you can contact us either by email at ReviewToBeNamed at gmail.com or on Twitter at review to be named. Uh Let us know what you're thinking. Suggest segment ideas. Suggest who won the week nominees. Uh, for people who will win the Rachel Tardif Memorial Award for Best Performance in the Week in future weeks. Um, anything you guys want to let us know, just reach out to us in any of those areas. And um, with that, let's say goodbye, everybody. Have a good week. Bye, everybody. Bye.
2: See ya.